It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And, uh, of course, we've all hum along, hummed along and sang along uh, to This Land is Your Land. Uh, just a, a little bit of fun, a little bit of history today, uh, that it was on this day in 1940 uh, that Woody Guthrie wrote This Land is Your Land. And, uh, of course, it's a, uh, a song that uh, has been adopted by many. Uh, it rings true for uh, countless Americans down through the ages, uh, whether it was uh, by civil rights activists, whether it was by religious organizations. Uh, it's been such a big part of the American tradition. Uh, and I think in particular, uh, one thing that always kind of brings a smile to me is it's one of those things that, uh, that young school kids sing, and they sing it with just great gusto. Gusto and uh, aging hippies and uh, everybody in between uh, could, can get on board uh, with this idea. And so the song does mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, uh, which is also uniquely American. And that's all good. And that's all fine. Uh, but I think where we have to get and the goal for society is really to get to where we all can say uh, with honesty and with integrity and with truth that this land was made for you and me, uh, that it really was. And that whether that's in our attitudes and our actions, whether that's by our institutions and organizations, uh, that we do have space uh, for everyone. But if you look back at the, the history, uh, Woody Guthrie, uh, interesting, was born in 1912 in Oklahoma, a hardworking family. That's a harsh environment there in Oklahoma, to be sure. Uh he was the son of a successful politician and a businessman, and uh, the family uh, kind of split apart after his mother fell ill when he was young, and he often worked in the agriculture uh, space, and when he was 15, uh, Guthrie left home. Uh, he traveled the country by freight train, and he didn't have a whole lot to take with him, uh, but he did have a guitar and a harmonica, and he uh, soon discovered that he had a, an eager audience just about anywhere he went amongst the hobos and the migrant workers that were crisscrossing the country uh, by rail. And I think it was in uh, 37, he traveled to California. Uh, he actually wanted to become a Western singer. He appeared on several West Coast radio shows, uh, mostly performing uh, some very traditional folk songs. Uh, but this song, This Land is Your Land, uh, he wrote while living in New York City, which is so interesting. Uh, and really reflected and, and noted uh, Guthrie's support for the just the, the common folk, uh, really the heart and soul of the country, uh, and his love for the heart and soul of the country. And, and as you go through each of those, I remember singing this as a kid, and you can kind of take that visual journey across the country, California to New York Island, 
Redwood Forest, the Gulfstream Waters. Uh, you can go through all of the different verses of the song, and each of them leads you to the same place, that America has to be a land. It has to be a land that was made for you and me. And as we've been discussing throughout the show today, that we are in this unique moment in our history. If you missed earlier my conversation with Robert Putnam uh, and uh, Shailen Romney Garrett, talking about their book, The Upswing, uh, how America really came together, became a we society uh, over 100 years ago, and how we can do it again. And it's in this idea, in this spirit of this land was made for you and me, and, and that can become that kind of anthem as we get out of just what's in it for us. Uh, and we start looking at how do we start solving at a grassroots level uh, the issues of our day? How do we make sure we're not outsourcing dealing with the homeless or the addicted or the downtrodden uh, to the government? How do we make sure we're not outsourcing uh, our morality to to others, uh, outsourcing the future of our children to others? Uh, we have to have a, a massive insourcing operation in this country. Uh, and it's an interesting one. It's, it's an interesting dichotomy because we have to have that rugged individualism to strive and to push and to move forward. And and we have to come together. And I, I loved the way that Robert Putnam actually used the, the West as the perfect metaphor for what the country needs to do. He said, we, he said that we cannot have this cowboy, cowboy approach of just a, a lone cowboy going off into the wilderness to tame it and settle it and improve it. He said, no, the, the real symbol of the settling of the American West is the wagon train because it was not just one individual going after it. No, it was you and me. It was everybody together going in to settle. And, and that's where we have to go. And that's what we have to look for in ourselves, what we have to look for in each other as we try to get the country to a better place. Uh, I'm very hopeful, as I think both Putnam and Garrett were in our conversation, that while, yes, we are probably at our most narcissistic point in history, uh, clearly a, a point of economic uh, division for sure, uh, but there is there is hope. And I love that they pointed out once again that the hope, as it always does, comes from the young people. In the Gilded Age, they were looking to reconnect in new ways to create a we, not an I, society. We can get after that. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on KSL News Radio's Inside Sources today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.